is my absolute pleasure to invite you into this episode where I'm talking with Leah Urzua. I am so excited that we get to work together. She's at the forefront of our social media and our podcast of blog conversion posts. And it has been so insightful to be able to talk with her today. Leah owns her own business after working for other people for years. She really wanted to invest time in developing her own creative ideas and putting them to good use, finding excitement in the challenge and loving to learn about everything and anything. She talked about witnessing many entrepreneurs, coaches, just people struggling with schedules and online systems, and she felt called to help them regain their original passion for their businesses, their life's work. She is a big believer that having strong systems are necessary for all parts of life, including a business. And she is a passionate advocate for racial justice, justice being at the center of all that she does and all that we do as an organization as well. I'm so excited for you to give this episode a listen. Get ready to hear from Leah Urzua. Lyons, and I love helping school communities envision bold possibilities, take brave action to make those dreams a reality, and sustain an inclusive, anti-racist culture where all students thrive. I'm a former teacher leader turned instructional coach, educational consultant, and leadership scholar. If you're a leader in the education world, whether you're a principal, superintendent, instructional coach, or a classroom teacher excited about school-wide change like I was, you are a leader. And if you enjoy nerding out about the latest educational books and podcasts, if you're committed to a lifelong journey of learning and growth and being the best version of yourself, you're going to love the Time for Teachership podcast. Let's dive in. Leah, welcome to the podcast. Do you mind just introducing yourself for our audience in whatever way feels relevant to you? Yeah, thank you so much. My name is Leah Urzua. I'm the founder and CEO of Results by Riviera. That's an online business that serves other service-based entrepreneurs who are looking to streamline their business so they can ditch their stress and work within their passion. I specialize in systems and overall business management, but I'm also a racial justice advocate and activist who is really eager to dismantle systemic racism and white supremacy in today's society. Beyond that, I live in Santa Barbara, California. It's my beautiful hometown where I live. I'm a proud woman of color, a friend, a partner, a daughter, and last but not least, a online business manager to Lindsay, who I've absolutely loved working with. Thank you so much, Leah. And I just want to say you are an absolute joy to work with. This organization is so much better with you as a part of this team. So thank you so much for the work you've done for us. I'd love to hear a little bit more about, I know you talked about this a bit, about your vision for your business and kind of your mission and your life's work, really. Typically, I talk about, you know, Bettina Love's idea of freedom dreaming here, which she defines as dreams grounded in the critique of injustice. And since you're a business owner and many educators have actually reached out to me asking me about how to start a side business, or they want to transition from full-time teaching or full-time principalship into a consulting organization. And so business is a huge theme of that. I'm Mm -hmm. wondering if maybe you could speak a bit more to that dream that you hold for businesses and how they can really center justice in their work. 
Yeah, so I think it's really great that more teachers are feeling empowered to start their own business because I definitely think that this applies to everyone in the business space, regardless of what it is you're selling, right? So the dream that I have for all of us is honestly, it's my overarching dream, but just applied on a more micro level to to all the economic systems in place. So the dream is to have a marketplace that's liberated from oppression and inequality and racism. And ideally, that would be because all businesses and corporations are collectively deciding to do the work to take action. I truly believe that we are responsible for this mess. It's not simply up to that one government figure or politician to say, okay, I passed this bill. Everything's good now. No, the the biggest obstacle is changing our mindset. It's changing from within. And the reason that it's so challenging to do that is because we all have implicit bias within ourselves that has taught us in every area of culture and society to prioritize white skin. So we see that with children who ask for white dolls, for example, to play with because they think that they're more beautiful. We see that when there's another incident of racial profiling. We see that where Black workers are paid less, where entrepreneurs do business in collaboration entirely with other white entrepreneurs. And so those are just some of the examples that I can think of and how those intersect with the way that we do business today. In order to really foster a more justice-centered business, we have to start owning that as our problem. We can find ways to hold ourselves accountable and really be the change that we want to see. I love so many of those pieces that you named, specifically how you made it really concrete too, because sometimes ideas around justice can feel really theoretical, really big. And you just named so many concrete pieces. I think we've all seen moments like that or had moments like that. That's really important to think about what that looks like for our businesses and interrogate if it's happening, where we put our money to, not just in running a business, but we're all consumers in different spaces. And so where do we put our money? And so I'm curious, you talked about mindset shifts a little bit. I'm curious to know a bit more about what are those mindset shifts that are required to to live out that dream? Yeah, so besides the things that I've already mentioned, there is another thing that I feel is disconnected. I feel that all of our work, the selling and competing and producing That's all connected to capitalism. And the thing that is on my mind is, so that's what we do because we've accepted that that's how we survive in this economy. But we also have to come to terms with an important reminder about capitalism. We have to remember that capitalism itself was made possible by slavery and the exploitation of the Black worker. So I think that's a really big thing that sometimes it's not always easy to see that in the modern era and the way that we're all doing business and within the system of capitalism. And so as W.E.B. Du Bois said, capitalism cannot be separated from slavery because of that historical foundation. And so much like law enforcement can't run away from its roots, neither can those who support and participate in this system. So I think that understanding that is just a critical step to understanding how racism still functions here and what types of changes are actually needed to really see a difference. So well said. Absolutely. And so knowing and recognizing that we're in that capitalist system 
requires us first to have that knowledge. And so Mm -hmm. once we have that, it requires us to act differently or be a knowing participant in oppression. And so I love that you just laid that out and specifically spoke to historical examples that are connected. So when we think about in education, the assimilationist narrative that is underlying, right? So much of our dress codes of who gets to go to school, of what a good student looks like, of all that stuff. I'm also thinking about, as you're speaking, right, the prison industrial complex and then how prisons and schools often mirror each other and what's been known as the school prison nexus. And so these are all pieces that are so embedded sometimes in schools. I think we hunker down and say, we are individual organizations. We're going to just leave out whatever happens outside of our school walls and we're going to do what we can within the four walls of our classroom. But the reality is that our students and ourselves and our colleagues are all impacted by all these systems and schools often mirror what is happening outside as well. And so it's so important to know these things and take this with us in the school space as well as our business spaces. I'm curious to hear you talk a little bit about how your business is really centered in advancing equity and justice. Great. Yeah. And I really like what you said about how you've mentioned in your past episodes too, that really important idea of how schools really represent society as a whole and the things you learn there, like that really sets the stage for everything later on. Um, I know school played a really important role for my exposure with racism and learning about the systems. And even though I didn't learn about them in the same depth as I did as an adult, I still think like that's definitely where I started getting these ideas from. So that was a great point to bring up. So I said in the beginning that I work with systems and usually my job entails building and implementing systems. But if there's one system that I really want to be known for working against in my business and my life, it's systemic racism and oppression. What I do to make sure that I'm living in alignment of my values is first to be consistently loud and clear that I condemn any ideas and behaviors rooted in white supremacy and violence. I don't shy away from what's going on in the news and the real world. For example, I saw a lot of performative allyship this past summer with the Black Lives Matter movement. I saw a lot of influencers and CEOs post, you know, their Black Square and they said, things will be different from here. And then the next day, the next week, it's like, oh, back to business as usual. But for me, as someone who's deeply affected by the Black community's pain, as someone who has empathy and an anger for injustice, it's not possible for me to just push all that aside. And I think that's true for all other Black business owners and women of color who do this. I'm not going to be prioritizing money and capitalism in those specific times when I know that Black and brown voices need to be heard. Secondly, I try to stay up to date on what's going on. And then when I'm doing my quarterly planning, I try to incorporate questions and strategies that help me figure out what can I do to make sure everyone feels included? How can I improve what I'm doing? And then it's also just making sure I'm being conscious of who I'm working with and who I'm hiring. So if I need a coach or assistant in the future, it's definitely something that I want to be aware of. Where are my biases? Because I do, I realize that I have these biases as well that come up if I'm not constantly challenging them. So those are some of the things that I 
strive to do to really create a more equitable and inclusive business. Awesome. I know that you prepare our social media posts and the episode summaries on the Time for Teachership blog. And I think about what you're saying around performative allyship, because when I initially thought to ask you that question, I didn't feel like it fully captured all of the pieces. So we can post on social media in a way that is super performative, but if it's not connected back to the root of the business and the day-to-day operations and systems of the business, it doesn't really do much. And so I'd love for you to speak a little bit about the things that you think about when, when planning our blogs and our social media content, but also recognizing that we want to be co-conspirators or authentic allies that is not just merely performative and doing it for, for optics. And so I'd love to just hear your thoughts on like, what goes through your head or what are the like systems that you use to consistently think about that and act towards justice? That's a good one. I think that remaining authentic to your vision and your message is always the goal for me, because for me, there's nothing about the work that you do and the message that you share that I disagree with. I think we're really aligned in that way. I truly believe that educators and school leaders can transform their practice by using these programs and teachings that you're offering. And so I think just like business, speaking about race and equity does have a place in education. So when I'm planning the content, I just try to keep those things in mind and to figure out a way, like, how can we reach more people? How can we really create this inclusive community? And I think it's really good that we think of these things together and that we do this work together because I just feel that our two experiences really help expand that base for first getting this community and growing it. I keep it organized. And when I plan it, I always want to make sure I'm amplifying black and brown voices in your podcast episodes and staying true to them as well. I think you hit on so many different points there. One is if we don't have a mission that centers justice, then it is just performative to put whatever we put on social media. And and I think this applies to businesses and to educators as well. What is our goal? Like, what are we trying to do at the end of the day? What is the impact we're trying to make? And if it's not centered in justice because of outside pressures and all those systems that operate, capitalism, white supremacy, all these pieces that are affecting what is rewarded. If it's not centered in justice, then it's super easy to like deviate in our day-to-day practices and do something that is perpetuating white supremacy or, you know, not advancing justice at the least. That mission is really important. And then I also love that you're talking about having that thought partnership. So if you're a business owner, even if you haven't hired someone else and you are a solopreneur, who can you reach out to and talk through so that you're not just constantly in this silo of my ideas are the best ideas and whatever I say is a great plan, which I think (laughs) is so common for businesses and CEOs thinking through how do we advance equity. And they're like, okay, I will come up with a solution. And then I will tell you what that solution is. And then we'll go do that solution. And that's just not how equity works. Inclusion is at the root of equity and inclusive decision-making is at the root of equity. And I love that you named that. And then a final piece I loved is that you really named amplifying voices on the podcast, particularly black and brown voices on the podcast. I think a prerequisite to that is really thinking about who we're inviting as guests onto the podcast and how do we make sure that justice is a key part of their mission? How do we ensure that we're including different perspectives and identities and 
that's like the, the precursor to being able to then amplify those voices in what we put on social media and share about the podcast. So I love that you brought all those pieces up. And I'm super curious what your advice would be for people who are trying to do things like this in their own businesses. So how do they make this justice-based dream a reality for their organizations? Yes, I really relate to that desire to want to keep expanding your mindset and to keep learning about these things. I think that what people can do is definitely inviting more diversity into your space. Don't just stick to your network is something that I've learned over time. Try to think about how you can make more people feel included in your space, people that don't look like you, that don't talk about the same things. What are some ways that you can offer something that just speaks to them in a way that says, I see you, I want you to feel safe here. So maybe that's creating a special support group. Maybe that's having um, a scholarship program. It can look like a lot of different things, but yeah, that's one of the big things I would recommend. One of the things as you were speaking too, that I think is so important and often glossed over in education spaces as well, when we think about the inclusion of a multiple perspectives or multiple identities, sometimes I think that can be used in conversations as like a check the box thing, as opposed to like a truly justice centered thing. So if we think about being inclusive and expanding our circles and networks, but we're doing it to just check the box of multiple perspectives and what that leads to, or what that can lead to is I'm going to invite this person spewing white supremacist hatred into my circle because they think differently than me. And that's not what we're advancing. What we're advancing are people who are committed to justice. What we're advancing is this understanding of not equality, but equity in terms of recognizing the power dynamics. I've seen a lot of podcast hosts, for example, talk about, I want to have this percentage of white people, this percentage of this identity, this percentage. And I think that's great to have goals of flipping those power dynamics, but we have to have the power dynamics in mind. So if we're just going for 50% white folks, white folks have so much of a platform already. Are we really centering justice if that's the goal? And the goal is not way less than that for yeah. on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've just given us some things to, to think about there. I think that there's definitely some truth there. Um, it's not enough to just diversify your team and, and hire more black or brown people like you really have to go the extra step like what once they're there like how are you going to make sure that they feel like an integrated part of your team how are you going to make them feel like they can bring their whole selves to work that was a really good way that I've heard it before like in in other people's surveys like do you feel like you can bring your whole self here and so I think that's a great way to think of it and to really just go the extra step into just fostering that space. I love that. And I actually, that connects really well, I think, to one of the questions that I usually ask towards the end, which is how do people bring their full selves into the business? How do we bring ourselves that are, you know, passionate about advancing justice into a place that's like this capitalist system that we have to negotiate. I'm curious, what is one thing that you would encourage listeners to do after this episode that allows them to live in alignment with their values of justice and equity? Yeah, that's, that's really great. If you're looking to create more systems of equity and systems of justice, 
you might be thinking to yourself, well, what does that look like? That sounds like a really big concept and thing to take on. And for me, I don't have all the answers to that, but I do know it starts with listening and learning from the experts. It's so exciting for me to see all these badass women of color offering their knowledge and resources to white people who wanna do better and be part of the movement. Um, so some, I can name some if you're interested, some accounts that I passionately follow are, is an account called Passion and Power, um, an account called Mo Motivate, uh, Topsy and Rachel Cargill. Those are some of the experts that I really love to learn from. But I would say just understanding that it's important to ask and, and take on other people's offerings that that are actually built upon their own experience and knowledge as these people of color. And so it's really important to use their tools and training so that you're kind of getting the overall view and and real and deep understanding of those things, if that makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. Not having this moment of like, I have all of the answers because I read this book or I did this thing, right? And and also I think a big piece of that for me has been to really be intentional about acknowledging where things came from. So for example, I use Dr. Goldie Muhammad's work a lot, her book, Cultivating Genius. And it's really important that every time that I name some of those principles that I've borrowed to say, this is where this comes from. And it comes from not just her as an individual black woman, but also that her research stems from black historical literary societies in a system that thrived despite all of the oppression existing in that society. And it's such a complex conversation, but to not go there, we are losing out by not acknowledging all of those pieces. Right. Yes. Totally believe that. As leaders and as listeners to this podcast, we're constantly learning and growing. So I am curious to know what is something that you have been learning about lately or something you've been working on or what's going on in, in your life, Leah? Well, for me, I would I would say I'm in a great season for learning right now. I'm currently taking social justice, contemporary social theory, and comparative theories of race and ethnicity at my online school, UC Santa Cruz. So that I have a really great um, foundation for all those things we're talking about this semester and quarter. Some of the text that we're studying and the things that I'm reading right now. There's this book called Just Mercy. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's also a movie, a lawyer who represents Black people on death row. Super interesting work and emotional. A lot of stuff going on there. Another text we're studying is Black Reconstruction in America, which is by W.E.B. Du Bois, who I previously mentioned. Another text I would say is um, The Impossible Will Take a Little While by Paul Love. And yeah, those are some of the things that I'm currently reading and absolutely loving. I listen to podcasts all the time, so it's a little bit hard to pinpoint one of those, but always looking at my fellow entrepreneurs' uh, podcasts and episodes. Um, there's a lot of great resources out there. As for projects, current projects, I just finished putting together a really great resource to help other business leaders integrate some strategies that they can use for more accountability and justice-based actions. It's called Strategies for Justice. It's a workbook and you can get it 
right now for a very low price on my website. My website is www.resultsbyriviera. So that's R-I-V-I-E-R-A.com slash shop. Awesome. Thanks so much, Leah. I know you just mentioned your website. If people want to continue following you as an individual on social media or something like that, are there other places that they can go in addition to your website to kind of follow the work that you're doing? Yeah. So the main place I'm hanging out is on Instagram. So you can find me at my handle is at results by Riviera as well. So um, R-I-V-I-E-R-A. That's a great way to connect with me. If you want to connect with me on email, my email is resultsbyriviera at gmail.com. And yeah, I would say those are the main places to reach me. Awesome. And thank you so much for being on this podcast episode today. It was so great to just chat with you and and be able to learn so much from the insight that you bring. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was an honor to come on here and talk with you. Thanks for listening, amazing educators. If you loved this episode, you can share it on social media and tag me at Lindsay Beth Alliance or leave a review of the show so leaders like you will be more likely to find it. To continue the conversation, you can head over to our Time for Teachership Facebook group and join our community of educational visionaries. Until next time, leaders, continue to think big, act brave, and be your best self. Thank you.